0: Oh, and welcome to PotterNot, a podcast for those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings and those who have absorbed Harry Potter through cultural osmosis and want to dive into the good and the bad. I'm Adela, she, her, a fan in recovery.
1: I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I am a fledgling fan.
2: And I'm
0: Zoe, she, her, a jaded fan. And we finished book two, as you know.
2: We sure did.
0: This episode is going to be our wrap-up for book two, we got a lot of wonderful questions. we got um, many wonderful questions, some good thoughts.
2: Yeah, thank you for sending all those in. We asked specifically for people's thoughts about the book because it's kind of a polarizing book. And we got some really interesting thoughts. So thank you so much for everybody who sent in a question or a thought. Uh, Before we get into those, though, do
0: we have any overall thoughts left over of
2: the second book? I think I do have one overall thought left over which is that <laughs> I don't know how to phrase my overall thought. <laughs> That's my biggest overall thought. Um no, I think my biggest overall thought. So, my friend Julia who also sent in a question. Thank you, Julia. Um mentioned that she has always really liked this book and she was talking to her husband and his response was he always so- said that it felt a little transgressive in that it like crossed a lot of boundaries. Um, yeah. So I think that that's something that as soon as she texted me that he had said that, I immediately was like, Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I don't think that that's something that I had thought about. And that's just, it's not a great overarching thought to start this podcast with, but I do think that that's something that given things that happen later I had never quite considered in those terms and perhaps I should have. hmm Yeah. But I just, that's a, that's a thought that I wanted to, to mention because it was sort of like it shaped, it sort of like didn't reshape anything because I've never been a huge fan of this book, but it did sort of make me think specifically about one, some of the things that I didn't like, um... Julia was also very upset that I am not a fan of Fox. uh...
0: (laughs) Speaking of Fox, I didn't know that Fox was named after Guy Fox. How did (laughs) I not know this when I read these books
2: so many times? I didn't know that either.
0: I I know about Guy Fox.
2: Mentioned that? No. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't realize that either. Um, For those who didn't know, apparently Fox is named after Guy Fox because Fox burns up once a year.
0: Which is clever, and I like it, and it makes sense. But I just yeah. thought that she was spelling Fox in a stupid way. Like, I didn't even realize that she was using the name Fox, which is a name. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I guess that's probably in the Pottermore slash Wizarding World page of that doesn't yeah. exist anymore for Fox. There used to be one. Um, it would have been nice to perhaps have read it for this uh, recording, but since Pottermore doesn't exist anymore and Wizarding World has chosen in their whatever level of whatever to not move <laughs> things over, um, we don't have that, which sucks. But yes, apparently Fox is named after Guy Fox, So the more you know, Star Wipe.
0: Oh, I was going to say one more thing, which is just that um, the on this reread was when I realized that the second book is my least favorite book, which I never... I, no, I think I that. have, I think I have like ranked the books before, but I think it was always between the second and third one. And I never like, I didn't have a, anything against the second book. And now I like rereading it this time. All the <laughs> now we, we have some about, things against it. <laughs> all the things we've been talking about, especially just the, like the, this book is a setup for the last two books. And that's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. Is the biggest thing that I, that came out of this for me. Cause that's not a thing that I ever really. Noticed before, mostly because it's such a short book. So whenever I was rereading, I would just like it, it's just over, and that <laughs> I don't have time to like <laughs> be yeah. delving into it that much. So, which is why it's really good to be doing this. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I actually think we should start with. E uh, just dropped one more thought that we had missed. Um, and and I actually want to start with that, so I don't forget that it's there. If that's okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, Zig on uh, Discord, Um, thinking about the end of Chamber of Secrets again and how you mentioned that Fox showing up as a deus ex maxina, I'm starting to suspect that Fox is actually exactly that in the chamber scene as a stand in for an actual Christian miracle. Tom Riddle's sin gets the most emphasis in the monologue is not his racism or murder, but his obsession with putting himself above the story stories god stand in um which is fox and dumbledore and his defeat comes from harry proclaiming his unshakable faith and receiving literal miraculous salvation That yeah, is yeah i
1: wanted to to bring this up because that was a really really interesting thought that i'm surprised that i didn't have when i was reading yeah. it, honestly I, I was a kid who grew up with a lot of books that were overt christian metaphors you know i grew up on narnia Yeah. Um, So I don't know if the author was like consciously doing that, but that it sure is a, it sure does feel like that thinking back on it.
2: Yeah. And I think that Ziggs follow up. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically what Ziggs says is that Harry isn't saying, I'm not going to accept your genocidal way of thinking. or I'm not afraid of you, but I'm, I have faith in this sort of godlike person even though he's not here. Yeah. Is really the the core Because of that. that's
1: what summons Fox and the sorting hat. Mhm. And... It's
0: definitely a very interesting thought. I think the reason I never thought of it before is because I have always ever since I got betrayed by Narnia when I discovered that it was a, a Christian metaphor I have rebelled against Christian metaphors and stories and so I actively do not seek them out um, um, even without thinking about it.
2: Big same, also I'm Jewish so mostly I miss <laughs> them. Um, yeah. Mostly they go over my head. But I do think that this one is for those of you who know what I'm talking about I think it's particularly interesting given what happens later in the story um, mm-hmm. With with what's Sort of taken into the self and not, and the very end of the story. um, Yeah, there's a there's a really important moment that I think that we should come back to this post at the very end of the series. Another thing I never even
0: considered surprising, considering that scene at the end that you're talking about. Anyway, yes. um.
2: (laughs) So thank you, Zig. This is definitely something we're gonna be coming back to again. Um, That was really awesome. Um, Yeah.
0: Okay, so Mina had some thoughts. Re the podcast The Shrieking Shack, which I have not listened to. I haven't either. I've heard good things. I've also heard that I should not listen to as someone who is quite a big fan of Harry Potter still. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, Mina says, I really like the Shrieking Shack take take that Harry should have been reading the diary all through the book and having his mind slowly poisoned with wizard alt-right rhetoric hence explaining his weird lack of action and people worried his, he he's the heir of slytherin. Uh, and then when riddle reveals his true identity it's an actual twist and gives harry an opportunity to rede- reject pure blood ideology which he never really does in the book. that is
2: it's really interesting. interesting. yeah. yeah, uh, i think i, I was... disagree strongly, but i think it's an interesting take.
0: yeah, i disagree with with like the story being changed to be that way. But I do like, I, I'm really interested in the point that Harry no, doesn't ever explicitly reject pureblood I- ideology.
2: I would push back against that. I think it happens later.
1: Yeah. 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 I would say in this book, up to the end of this book, there isn't really a rejection of pure blood ideology by Harry or by the series really. And I
0: guess the, and I guess the thing is that the, this book is kind of the introduction to what pure blood ideology is.
2: Mm. Um, mm, so yeah. it would be,
0: which we, which because of that, I think would be really good if it had that rejection at the end.
2: I think right? the mechanics of the story would have to change so drastically. I'm not interested in this version mm. mm-hmm. because think about it. If Harry's reading with the diary, the entire way through, then he's the one opening the chamber.
1: Yeah. See, I think I'm with Mina that I would be interested in that telling of this story, but I also don't know where it leads. So for me, that would be interesting with this as a book, as a unit,
2: like a self-contained story. Um, Adela, I'm gonna DM you a thought. (laughs) I know that (laughs) this is, it's just one of those things where like... um, don't read it out loud while you're typing
0: it (laughs) It defeats the purpose
2: okay i have dm'd you
0: if this was like a thing that actually like if i I was in the story
2: yeah i mean like this is um, kind of what happens then right in in a little bit of a way (laughs) (laughs) um
0: i'm i'm struggling to see what you mean by that
2: okay we will talk we'll talk off yeah offline I guess the the non-spoiler version is let's have this conversation later because I think that this doesn't happen but something else does that is similar enough to this that I'm not sure that it is too different. (laughs) Okay. How's that for not being spoiler? (laughs) I
1: love how cryptic we get.
2: I know, right?
1: About this stuff. I mean, we could just be like...
2: Hey Adela, tell E not to listen to this. Skip forward thirty seconds. Yeah, and then we can talk about but it.
0: But I, I like it. I like it better this way. I like I the too. cryptic <laughs> messages, and then people who are listening can try to figure out what you're talking about too.
2: <laughs> exactly,
1: <laughs> like um, me you know trying to know figure what it out. About, then... not or not, ARG.
2: <laughs> e, you want to do Zig's next post?
1: Yes. So a uh, separate. Um, line of thought from Zig. My take read the end of Chamber of Secrets is that they should have given the basilisk speaking lines during the fight. Like even something as simple as having it chime in alongside Riddle and saying Harry should turn evil. Parcel tongue should be used to actually talk to snakes ever outside the first book. I- I'll keep going. Missed opportunity yep. to tie into the themes earlier in the book with something along the lines of You are pure blood too, why don't you join me in driving out the unworthy for Harry to then stand against. Or again, give that line to the basilisk, have it say something like, oh, it's a shame to kill a pureblood, in order to tie it into the themes of bigotry from earlier in the book, instead of just having a big animal. That's, yeah.
2: Yeah, I... Uh,
0: Especially with the things, like, because E was saying that that was the thing you found really interesting about book two earlier on, was all the stuff about bloodlines and
1: it kind of... Gets lost at the end a little bit. Those themes don't wrap up. Even if it it just could speak and say anything.
2: This for me is solved in the movie. One (laughs) of the few things that I think is solved in the movie. But I don't think that it can say anything about Harry being a pureblood. Because the whole House of Slytherin and Heir of Slytherin take is that Harry is a half blood. Yes, Mm. that is true. Um, So I think that that's an important aspect to it is that no blood purist in the series thinks of Harry as pure blood at all. Okay. And this is something that is often forgotten in the fandom as well. In non non-blood purist terms, Harry is pure blood because both of his parents are magic. But because purebloods don't consider his mother to be magic, mm-hmm. because she is a muggleborn, right. Harry is considered half-blood. Yeah. yeah. So, I think that that's an important thing. However, I completely agree about um, the. Uh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the best, I lost <laughs> the basilisk. Thank you. I, in fact, I'm just going to go directly into S.I. Sweetman's on Twitter. Okay. Because I think that this is like a direct follow on to the same idea and question. So, um, S.I. Sweetman on Twitter says one could potentially argue that Harry Potter re magical creatures tries to take a general stance of respect and trying to understand what seems scary at first. How do you feel about the depiction of magical creatures and Chamber of Secrets in general? And says, they say, I ask because this book seems like a departure. Harry can speak to a basilisk, but it has no lines. Aragog attacks to create action, but necessitates a deus ex machina of car. The pixies, dwarves, and garden gnomes are throwaway bits.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of sort of just sloppy, it feels like not even malicious towards like the idea of magical creatures just like kind of not well thought through i remember i did mention that when the the garden yeah you just came up i was just like why is this here there are so many implications mm-hmm. about society
0: i would argue that it's not like this is also the same in the first book like the first book doesn't have any creatures that have more than. That's not true, centaurs.
1: Yeah, we meet the centaurs. I guess but other we do meet that... the
0: centaurs. I never think of the centaurs as magical creatures because they're like they're, uh, people.
1: they're very person-like.
2: Yeah, yeah, but the centaurs and the goblins,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. Technically, true. they both fall under magical creatures, which and is we a do whole... have
0: actual conversations with them.
2: Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit um, in those chapters about like the cruel distinctions in the magical world that later are. Discussed, but not with things that would be considered dangerous. Um, and I think that both of these questions kind of get into that, where the basilisk should have had speaking lines, which again, the movie does something with.
1: Yeah. Um, there was no and then, real narrative reason for Aragog to turn hostile. No. Yeah.
2: Especially since specifically Friends of Hagrid, right? It was, yeah, it was way more interesting when the spiders were friendly. Yeah. I don't know that I have an answer to either of these questions, but I think they're both important.
0: I mean, how do we feel about the depiction of magical creatures in, in this specific book? Messy.
2: Very Deeply. Messy.
0: It's really in the third book and onwards that we start to at least get to learn more and look more closely at magical creatures, because we have that
1: class then. Including um, Dobby as a yeah. introduction to what house elves are. True. Which... Yeah, I know that is probably more fleshed out later, but also feels kind of half done in this book in a way that's like, boy, does this have huge implications for the world.
2: No kidding. Cole via Twitter, uh, no big takes from me on this book. I always just categorized it as book one, but again. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Yeah. (laughs) This is something that E and I both mentioned at the end of the book where we were like, what is that we called the last um, episode impressive and yet in the middle, quite hollow. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I yeah.
2: uh, definitely agree.
1: Especially, I think I said that specifically at the start of the book with the Dursley mm. section it was like, Oh, we're doing this again. Yeah. absolutely. Which is
0: kind of like, I mean, there is a very clear structure to the Harry Potter books until the seventh book. Which is like, let's see what's happening at the Dursleys. Then we go to school. We go through the whole school year, and then a big climax happens. Like there is a very clear structure,
1: uh-huh. and that's
0: every book, which is not are, and the books bad are
1: yeah for young adult fiction to have, or I guess children's fiction,
0: and especially like books that are set in a school are going to follow the school year. That's just mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the way yeah. it works.
2: And this is of a genre, right? Like this is something we talked about with Bo, is that this is a genre of literature that maybe we're not as familiar with in, in North right. America, but like this, this series happened to become internationally
1: hugely popular. Yeah.
0: That's all of our
2: sort of overarching thoughts,
0: big thoughts that we got. Thank you everyone. And now we have a lot of good questions to answer. Uh, first up from lofty on Tumblr, given that sl- salad, Given that salad, I keep saying Salad in my head every time I read that. <laughs> given that Salazar salad Slytherin.
1: Slytherin.
0: <laughs> given that Salazar Slytherin had a secret chamber inside Hogwarts, what do you think the other founders would have would have done if they'd made their own? Where would they be? What would they be for, etc.? And we'll answer the second part with another question. But I have I have some thoughts.
1: Yeah, this one's <laughs> also mostly for thoughts. you too. <laughs> would you like
0: me to tell you my thoughts? Let's start with Gryffindor. Okay. Underground wrestling
1: ring. A similar
0: <laughs> thought. Except, except it's 14th century, so probably a sparring a yeah, sort of thing.
1: A, it's a dueling club.
2: So, well, yeah. So, my thought is for those of you who have played Breath of the Wild, there are some shrines that are just battle shrines where, you, where like Link wanders up to them and it drops you in and it's like, beat this robot. This, like, <laughs> robot. that's what this is. Um, glad we're that. on the same page. Maybe you have a- <laughs> Do you have a thought about uh, Gryffindor's secret room?
1: I think that's wonderful.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I, I love the idea of of just a fight club.
0: <laughs> Can we do Ravenclaws next?
2: Let's do Ravenclaws next.
0: Do you want to go first
2: this time? Uh, sure. Um, I actually was a little torn on this one because I think the stereotypical answer is like...
0: Mine is the stereotypical answer, so you want me to do okay, mine
2: first.
1: first? Yeah, first.
0: um. Uh, a secret library behind the behind a trick bookcase within the actual library, but the trick to open it is ridiculously complex and involves a sort of scavenger hunt through all of the books on, using logic on that shelf.
2: Okay, yeah, that is the stereotypical answer. Here's my answer. The internet? <laughs> In the 14th century? Oh, come on. You think that Ravenclaw wasn't smart enough to build, like, a proto-magic internet? I mean, yeah, true. I think that there would be some sort of proto-magic internet. And, like... Like a communications database
0: type thing that is magical.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think All that, right. like, in the same way that Slytherin's danger is the basilisk and Gryffindor's danger, as we've described it, is fucking dying in a battle quest. Um, <laughs> I think the Ravenclaw danger, in my mind, of this one, of, like, connecting to the proto-internet or whatever, is, like, completely losing yourself. I was gonna it. say, yeah, mm-hmm. getting
1: lost in it. hmm Here's an Great. alternative take... Secret um, observatory. Mm -hmm. Astronomical, Mm -hmm. astrological observatory. Yeah, that's a good one. Somewhere on the top of a...
0: Ravenclaw (laughs) invented astrology, turns out. Probably. (laughs) Oh, God. Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Secret knitting club, but it's really badly kept secret because their secret chamber is actually a big common room that's open to all houses.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good stereotypical answer. I don't know that I have a good answer for this one because I don't want it to be the stereotypical answer.
0: My, my only thing is that it wouldn't be a secret if it's like Hufflepuff's thing would not be a secret, whatever it is.
2: That's fair. That's sort of what Hufflepuff was about. I think that there should be a secret one though. And I don't know what it is.
1: What about secret safe house? Oh, okay.
2: I have a thought.
1: Um, Okay.
2: Kind of jumping off of that. I think the problem that I'm having with both of those answers is that there has to be something inherently dangerous about it Mm. to fit the theme. So here's what it is. It's a place where where you enter, you are bound to some sort of loyalty curse in the way that you have the, like, unbreakable oath. I think there's, like, a loyalty, like, the downside of loyalty, right? Is that
0: a thing that Hufflepuff would
2: make? I guess we don't know
0: Hufflepuff very well. We don't know
2: Hufflepuff very well, (laughs) but also, like, you think about the, the dark side of each house is sort of what's represented by the basilisk and Slytherin and, like, the pride there. Yeah, I mean, he built him a fucking statue of his own face. <laughs> <laughs> so you think of, like, if Hufflepuff turned bad, or what if it was created for good, right? Let like, knights would bring their vassals in there, but it could be twisted. Hmm. I think that that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting.
0: The second part of Lofty's question uh, is very similar to a question we had from Morgan, our composer, which I will read because... <laughs> um it's in all caps on twitter morgan yells if you were to leave a, a school in disgrace and seal a giant animal within its walls what animal and which walls
2: i think the which walls bit is really <laughs> important
0: <laughs> does that mean like which part of the castle or does that mean which type of building or like which like school
2: um well i think like you think about the best school the pipes
0: I guess. Oh yeah. So like which part of a of a building would you hide your yeah. secret animal in? Um I guess it's a little bit different than Lofty's question, which is what would you, just what would you do if you made a secret chamber? I will I will answer that one first because Go for it. it's less it the question is le- not less interesting. My answer is less interesting. Um ever since I was a child, every time I fantasized about being at Hogwarts, which is many times, all the time. Um, I wanted there to be a dance club slash studio where all of the students, the older students, teach the younger students, and it's like just a school club that is for dance. Because I was like, I want to go to Hogwarts, but not if I have to give up dance. So there's dance at Hogwarts. Um, Okay,
2: but Adela, which animal?
0: (laughs) I didn't get that far. (laughs)
2: Also, if you were to leave the school in disgrace.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why I said I was answering Lofty's question first, which is a different, slightly different question. This is which animal, which walls? If I were to leave the school in disgrace. You guys answer first. I need to think about this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought I had an answer to this, but the more I think about it, the less I have an answer. Um... (laughs) Do you want me to go? (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Uh, If I were to leave
1: the field of linguistics in disgrace, I would leave a giant uh beaver who would slowly eat all of the works in the library by um uh authors who have been outed as harassers or generally racist shitty people and nice. slowly build a giant beaver dam around the library so that it would eventually <laughs> become impenetrable and all academics would have to give up
2: amazing I guess that's, a, that's a good way to frame it if i were to it's leave- not secret if i were to leave my yeah if i were to leave my field in disgrace so if i were to leave Library science in disgrace. Um, (laughs) I have a bad answer, which is I would leave behind a very large computer bug that just scrambles all catalogs everywhere. uh, Oh, no. And unusual punishment. Um,
0: Yeah, I think I would leave... um... I would, it wouldn't be about my field of study, but just like my university in general. I would leave a whole lot of Nifflers to steal all of the president and dean and everyone's money that are making way too much money when no one else mm. is making any money and we have to pay so much for tuition. Um, yeah. Just dump, dump all the Nifflers on there into their offices.
2: <laughs> it might be fun to like leave a whale <laughs> in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. It just <laughs> sings all the time. Keeps up your yes. <laughs> mind. Great. Uh, here's a question directly for E. Hawk on Discord. What are your thoughts, E, on Hagrid after this book, since we learned a lot about his Hogwarts backstory?
1: Um, My feelings on Hagrid are still complicated. Maybe more so after this book? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I don't remember where I was on Hagrid in book one. I know I've ragged on the writing style of Hagrid a lot. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's been a lot of we love Hagrid, but not the way that he's written.
1: Sometimes. Yeah, it's like when you latch on to a TV character and you're like, oh, man, there could have been so much good done with you. And this is what I have. Yes. I like Hagrid. I think that he is, uh, he lives in a society. <laughs> sure. Uh, yes. We've talked about how Hagrid is like the very first introduction to pureblood ideology. Mm -hmm. in the series because he's the first one that's like you know all Slytherins I guess that's more of a house thing but like nothing good ever comes out of Slytherin but yeah Hagrid is good his dogs are good (laughs) I love that he loves creatures so much
0: yeah I think I feel like Hagrid has less of a part in this book and is another is like similar to Ginny is a prop for the plot to move forward yeah kind of but we also do learn about a little bit about his past, um, I guess. But we don't see him very much.
2: No, it's a, it's a quiet book from Hagrid. Do you want to read Julia's question? Sure. So, my friend Julia, I mentioned, texted me and has a couple questions here, which is a question for the podcast How many besides me love this book? Uh, hi, Julia. Um, some people. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I
1: think answers. that's a thumbs down from all three
2: of us. Yeah. Uh, it does get a thumbs down from all three of us. Beau, who guested on the podcast, is a big fan of this book, so you're not alone. Uh, Julia also asks, what is your favorite fandom-created thing, art, headcanon, story, non-JKR, detailer character from this book? So I have two answers. Mm-hmm. Um, one is the,
0: I mean, it's the the Tumblr post we already shared.
1: About Snape
0: and Locker. <laughs> About, oh, no, that one's also great. Uh, I was I was talking about the last one we did last week about um the,
2: the book sharing,
0: book sharing one. But yes, I guess the Snape and Lockhart one is more of a actual thought out fandom thing um which I also really like. For art, this uh technically sort of JK because it is a version of the books, but there is a new uh there are new tie editions of the series which have the absolute most gorgeous art I have, like, seen for any of the book oh, covers. Yeah. Um, I am going to link it to you guys because um, the artist is um, Arch A. Polar. And I will send you a link to his art station, and we will also link it in the show notes because uh, you can actually order prints of the Ooh. Um, art if you want to, which it means that you are directly uh, supporting, supporting the, artist the artist rather than supporting... <laughs> the author they are beautiful i did order the books because i'm me and i don't have enough different editions of harry potter yet um and also he didn't have these up yet and i was like i would (laughs) i would like and they're in they're in Thai. i can't read them but i will have them
2: (laughs) yeah i do recommend clicking on this link you'll find them in the show notes these are really really beautiful um i think for me the favorite thing from this book do you
0: have any fan fiction but
2: it's kind of spoilery (laughs) um i'll try to unspoil it yeah i've linked it in the past um the shana storyteller uh uh fanfic there's two of them i think that the thing that i like most about this book is where the fandom takes parcel tongue just like in general i think i much prefer that to the canon Interesting. I haven't seen a lot of that.
0: Can you explain more what that, or what you're referring to? God,
2: how do I explain this
0: without being spoilery?
2: Um, <laughs> the long short is that in the fandom, the, the act of using parcel tongue. Yeah, I can't, I don't know. There's, there's a couple of different things. In a lot of Harry Draco fics, Draco finds it really sexy, which I think is very funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which it's great. It's very fun. Um, but I think in the more serious fix that I'm thinking of, there are some really interesting implications about the parcel tongue usage. Um and I like that it's sometimes connected to the head canon that Harry's lineage is from Southeast Asia or from the Indian subcontinent. Ah. Um, and sort of connecting it with the snake lineage there. I think that's really interesting um, and much, much more interesting than where it goes in the books. I think that that's, that's going to be my answer is, is what the fandom okay. does with tongue. I think we should
1: ask Momo's first question next. Sure. They say they asked on discord, this is maybe a bit early, but what are your guys' respective favorite ships in the series? <laughs> um, with characters we've met and seen interact so far.
2: Yeah. So, hands down, my favorite ship is Harry Draco, which is <laughs> I <knew> entirely it. <laughs> fandom created. Um, if we're going with.
1: There's a bit. There's a bit in this book.
2: Yes, with Draco telling his father a dozen times about how special Harry is. Um,
1: and the dueling thing. And, yeah, and the dueling like thing.
2: There. It's there. there's a lot of there's a lot of sexual tension. There's some, there's t- some
0: basis for the
2: It's good. It's getting somewhere. I actually really enjoy this ha- this is not a spoiler. Um, but Fred and Angelina have a really cute relationship. And uh-huh. um in some fics it still comes up uh sort of in the background in, in some of the school fix. Like and that. it's such a wonderful relationship. I also mm, this is a spoiler a character two characters you meet in book four who get together at the end of book four uh they get together and it's sort of like a feature in the remainder of the books culminating in an event in book seven um that relationship is a big favorite of mine especially in the fandom this the sort of expansion of that family is very cute oh and uh Ginny and luna
0: yeah, Ginny Luna is my number one that I put, but that's not one—not a character in this book. Luna is not in this
2: book. <laughs> oh yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> um,
0: I was just going to say I've—I've I've never been mad about any of the canon romance. Um, I don't think that I can think of. I've—I've been—I've actually liked most of it, but uh, my head canons are Ginny Luna and other ones that I will not say right now. Um, also, George and Lee, um, hmm. for reasons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. E, do you have any faves? Um, I would say a sh- less a ship per fandom terms and more of a relationship. I would have liked to see mm-hmm. uh, again is Hagrid and um God, why I forget her name. McGonagall oh, Mr. McGonagall. McGonagall. Interacting again. Yeah. Because uh, there was a very cute moment in book one that I would like to see more. Of.
0: I think they, yeah, they will have more interactions.
1: <laughs> it's very, so. it's very nice.
0: It's mostly Hagrid not being in this book very much.
1: Honestly, neither is she.
0: Yeah. And Hagrid like, takes on a bigger role later, like after this book, does basically.
1: does school administrator stuff.
2: I, I don't think we see her class maybe once. Yeah, it's a it's very light transfiguration book. So, uh, Lofty asked another question that is actually related to the earlier question. Um, so we'll just do this one real quick, given that Hogwarts is renowned for its safety. Ha ha ha. And some fan theories that the basilisk was a safety measure. What alternatives to giant snakes would you propose? Uh, so this is kind of related to our previous. It's a, it's a twist. Like, yeah. let's say that the basilisk was more of a a deterrent.
0: Yeah, I was like when I th- saw this question, I was like a safety measure, and then <laughs> and then I was like, hang on, we also had Fluffy in the first book, which was
2: which literally was a safety, a safety measure. Specifically, a safety measure.
0: Um, I mean, I guess it was a guarding a thing But, like, I like The safety measures that Hogwarts does have I like the enchantments I like the thing that you find out At the end of book seven But, I don't know, what
1: Yeah, I think yeah. my answer would also Just be sort of magical Safeguards of various like you learn
0: You learn In a couple books I don't think it's a spoiler to say this uh, In book four That um, Hogwarts does have enchantments around it uh, that make it imperceivable to muggles and very difficult to find. The only way you can really get there is by train, unless you are powerful and know exactly where it is. Type thing. It's all enchantments. Yeah. <laughs> there aren't any other creatures that are guarding it,
2: unless you. Cheat. Do you think? That, do you think the giant squid is guarding it? <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. I was gonna say I'm gonna cheat and say the giant squid slash the forest.
0: I mean, yeah, the forest, the forest is definitely. Also, yeah. It's a safety measure that is also dangerous. Like everything. So <laughs> In Hogwarts. many
2: Alright, from Q. If you were to create a relic akin to the diary, what would that relic be and where would you leave it? So we're going to not spoil anything. Yeah, I
1: wanted to say that I appreciate the wording of this question because I think I know what Q is avoiding saying. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: <laughs> I found this this question really difficult to answer. I don't have an answer for this question.
2: I think given the scope of the story and the way that the diary acts as sort of like a a memory holder, this is a thing that is done. In fact, there was a whole elementary episode that was like this. So this is not like a new thought. Which one? But it would be, um, it's the one with the old video games. Okay, yeah. In in elementary, the television show, Anonymous, the hacker group, uh, there's an equivalent called Everyone. And they send Sherlock and Watson an old video game that they have to play through so that they can read the credits. And I think it would be really fun to do like an old N64 cartridge kind of thing to like store and hold memories and, and like play through the life of and things like that. That is a cool idea. Mine would be
1: sort of the equivalent of a player piano, mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. A, a cello or violin that yeah. whenever you you know, moved the bow across the strings, it would play a predetermined, you know, it, w- it would play its own music. Cool. cool. I like Rather that. Rather than where your fingers were.
2: Very cool. Um, so we're coming to the end. Um, so actually, Momo had one other really good question that a couple of people have asked me individually. So thank you for Momo to, for asking this, Bradley. Um How long does it take us to produce an episode? Uh, so first of all, I want to shout out, occasionally you have heard us, either greet or say goodbye to a person called Craig. Um, Craig is not a human on this chat, <laughs> <laughs> but we love him anyth- anyway. Craig is a bear robot. Um, Craig is a discord bot. Who
0: records our podcasts.
2: Who records our podcast. So thank you, Craig. Uh, we like to greet him and we like to thank him. Uh, he is not a human, um, but it probably takes us between an hour and 90 minutes to record. And then we hand it off to Adela, who does all of our editing.
0: Uh, yeah, so I, we do an hour, an hour and a half, and I usually get it down to about just under an hour, depending on how much we go off. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't know, what should I talk about about editing? Um,
2: well, how long does it take you? Um,
0: I get lost in time, usually, when I'm doing it, but it's probably it's four to six hours usually.
2: The nice thing about the Discord bot Craig is that it records a different track for each of us. So Adela is able to like cut things if there's background noise or enhance something and it doesn't mash everything together, which is really nice. Do you use a specific software? Do you use Audacity? Oh yeah, I use Audacity because
0: that's what Craig automatically gives you an Audacity file.
2: Um, I don't have an answer for how long it took Morgan to create our amazing theme music, but uh, it is...
0: Morgan, respond to the tweet of this uh, of this episode with the answer to that question.
2: Yeah, Morgan, how long did it take you to compose the music? Co- composition is really, really difficult. And we compensated Morgan for his time. And we are very, very thankful that he was able to create the, the incredible soundtrack for us. And then we upload it using Anchor, which is a podcast yep, platform. Which
1: automatically pushes it to podcast apps
2: and Apple and Spotify and... So that's sort of the technical back end. Um, I just use my headphones to record. You <laughs> have a mic. Yeah, I have a snowball mic.
0: I have uh, what I forgot what the brand of my headphones are. I have to take them off for a second. Oh, I didn't say the brand on them. <laughs> Please keep it <that> in. <laughs> anyway, I have a headset. I have a gaming headset.
2: I use my Apple headphones and I have them actually plugged into my phone because my Wi-Fi doesn't like my computer is really the issue. And so uh. I've had issues in the past you've heard an outtake of one episode where like, apparently I dropped every 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> my phone has been a lot more stable. So I actually have my headphones just plugged into my phone on discord.
0: So as you can see, we are a very low budget to DIY DIY <laughs> podcast, but, but
2: we really like it. So we really you. enjoy it. Saying.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> e, are you ready for your quiz? <laughs>
1: By golly, I better be.
0: <laughs> um, Drum roll, please. Um, <laughs> Nice very drum roll. Thanks. Some of the questions are the same as last time. Um, some of them are specific to this
1: book. I will say I'm not looking. I'm not looking at any of the books right now. Okay.
0: This is uh, again seven questions. Question number one: Name the Weasley children from youngest to oldest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Ginny. Uh, Ron. Yep. Yeah. Fred and George. Yeah. Percy. Uh huh. I don't know the oldest.
0: Same as before because we haven't met them yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although we do get their names in book one, I think. I, but... I
1: have, I know that I have seen their <laughs> names. I know that there's one who does dragons mm-hmm. somewhere in the, in the, in Southern Europe. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the other one does. He's a He's curse, a curse breaker. breaker in Egypt. Oh.
0: So yeah, we'll unpack that later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's Charlie and Bill. Ah, yes. Question two. Name the four Hogwarts founders first and last name.
1: Okay. Godric Gryffindor. Yeah. Salazar Slytherin. Yeah. Rowena Ravenclaw. Yeah. Still don't know Hufflepuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Closer than last time. It's a woman. I don't remember.
0: Helga. Helga.
1: Yeah. Helga. There we go.
0: I also don't know if we've heard her name yet. the books. I don't think we have. (laughs) I
1: know that you've said it to me.
0: Question number three, name the four heads of house and what subjects they teach.
1: Oh gosh. (laughs) All right, McGonagall, Transfiguration. Oh, Gryffindor. Yes. Um, Snape for Slytherin and potions. So I think this is, I'm gonna get stuck on this one again too. (laughs) I know it's Herbology. Herbology for Hufflepuff, don't remember.
0: We did meet her in this book. We did meet we her did. this book.
1: I've forgotten what her name is. Sprout. Um Sprout. And I've forgotten Ravenclaw entirely. Do you
2: remember the subject? Um No. <laughs> charms. It's okay. Flitwick's and Flitwick and he teaches charms. And do we see a charms class in this book? Uh actually there I might think be we, one. we see one and Ron's wand is just going right fucking oh, yeah. haywire. So question number four
0: the only other one that we've asked before what are draco's cronies full names
1: (laughs) oh gosh
2: we have some special insight because technically harry and ron did morph into them in this book yes
1: i still don't remember it's crab and goyle that's it
0: (laughs) vincent and gregory there we go should i keep those questions in the questions that you you haven't answered correctly Next time, <laughs> yeah. I continue to keep See these questions we... in. All right, good. Until
1: I get them someday.
0: Question number five: What year did nearly headless Nick die? Ooh. This involves some
1: math. I remember I calculated this. It was fourteen. It was fourteen ninety whatever year this book came out.
0: Not when it came out. When it uh, is set, which is ninety two. Uh,
1: ninety two. It was fourteen ninety
2: two. I was
1: like, that's too. Spe- that's that's too. I know that number. So
2: it came <laughs> to that one yeah but that's right it is that one.
0: question number six what year was hagrid in at hogwarts when he was expelled does it say i'm not it sure does. if it says in this book it does say in the first book
1: okay. and then I, it's like i want to say fifth year but i don't think that's based on anything except a guess
2: yeah it was third year
1: okay Oh, wow, he was young
2: was <laughs> yeah Um, This last one is the most important question. (laughs) Yes,
0: the most important question of all the questions that you will ever get in this quiz. Question number seven. What's Gilderoy Lockhart's favorite color?
2: (laughs) This is specifically answered as a part of Gilderoy Lockhart's opening quiz of his class.
1: I remember that it's Hermione
2: got it right. (laughs) I don't know, blue. Lilac. Lilac. It's also
0: my favorite color. (laughs)
2: That's a good color. <laughs> yeah, it's, God, what a fucking character. Okay, <laughs> so the final question that we have for you is from Zig on Twitter. Question for the recap episode. Do another prediction for who and what, the na- title of the next book. E, what's the title of the next book?
1: Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban.
2: What does that refer to? Who or what?
1: Yeah, I feel like this book, this upcoming book, I actually, I feel like I know a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it is about Harry wi- and company breaking someone out of Azkaban, mm-hmm. which I know, which we already know is a prison. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the person they are breaking out is one of the uh, group of people that were associated with Harry's dad. Mm-hmm. I, don't rem- I don't know the names of all of those people. But I know there's a set of characters that go together that are that generation. Nice. That's um, a good prediction. And one of them's a werewolf. Nice. Also, a good prediction.
0: <laughs> so, very good prediction. For anyone who wants to know, Zoe and I are yelling at each other in our own DMs right now.
1: <laughs> See, this one, like, there is so much fan content about mm-hmm. those characters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is the only reason I know anything. There sure is. Uh All right. right. (laughs) I can't can't talk right now. I can
2: hear the internal screen. (laughs) Um, Thank you, everybody, for sending in your questions. (laughs) Um, I actually want to ask one other thing, which is, E, do you have any questions for me and Adela?
1: Yeah. Oh, You should have asked me this before we started recording so that I could come up with one. (laughs) Give me like 10 seconds to think
0: i will calm myself down whilst this is happening
1: (laughs) um i guess i'll just ask for in the vein of the question i was just asked for the two of you how do you feel going into book three from where we are now i remember i think it's one of zoe's favorites
2: it's one of my favorites um and because of that adela why don't you go first yeah it was
0: one of my least favorites so now because of the way my thoughts on this book has changed it makes me really excited to move into this one especially knowing that zoe really likes it and like i just feel like it'll be really fun not that this reading this one was not fun it was it was a lot of fun but i'm just excited to like i feel like i haven't reread the third book in a really long time also so Mm.
2: (sighs) this is a book where i have no problem putting aside all the issues that i have with it in comparison to the second book where like i have a lot of trouble engaging with the story there's a lot of issues that i have with the third book okay Mm -hmm. there's so many issues i have with the third book Uh but i think it's a much more well-written story and i think that there's something that's introduced in the third book that breaks the series to the point that it is literally retconned later and then retconned again later (laughs) Uh um I have not reread the series since Cursed Child came out. Oh,
1: wow. That's a long time.
2: That was quite a few years ago. Yeah. If my sense of time is correct. Just before Cursed Child came out, I did a full reread of the series and I bought the book and then I opened it and then I closed it and then I (laughs) gave it away. So you haven't read it, Zoe? No, I do know what happens. I know the whole plot. Okay. Um, Okay. I don't consider it canon. I'm not interested in it. Neither do I. But in sort of the post-Cursed Child world and sort of where we are in our understanding of JKR, I still think that this is going to be a favorite of mine. I'm not, because I am comfortable putting aside and reading the story as is, I'm not worried about that. But I do think that this is going to become a much more interesting read for me. I also think that it's going to drop down my rankings. Um, I think book four is going to hold up a lot more than book three will, uh, for me personally. And I think that moving forward, book six is going to hold up even better and Mm -hmm. rise in my rankings. Sort of looking ahead.
0: Um, E, do you have a ranking so far of the first two books? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
2: One
1: was better than two. Nice. I think. I I think. There were some parts I really liked in two, but yeah. holistically, one was a better told story.
2: Yeah. So I think that there's, there's a lot that I'm excited about for this next book. There's a lot that I'm looking forward to nitpicking in this next book is what I'll say.
0: So thank you everyone who sent in your thoughts and questions. We had so many this time and it was
2: really, really appreciated. Yeah, this was wonderful. If you would like to read along with us, uh, we are going to break up book three similar to how we did book two. There's 22 chapters. So we're going to do the first four chapters all together, and then we'll do in chunks of three. So if you're reading along with us, for our next episode, we will be reading Chapter One, Owl Post; Chapter Two, Aunt Marge's Big Mistake; Chapter Three, The Night Bus; and Chapter Four, The Leaky Cauldron. And then from so
0: uh, we haven't decided yet if we're going to take. We will probably take a few weeks off after this uh, episode comes out, and then we'll see you when we get back to
2: Book Three. Yeah, it should be towards the end of May, and we will of course post on our Twitter if we are taking some time off to let you know that that's going to happen
0: feel free to continue sending us thoughts and yeah. and, and fan art and headcanons that you like we can
2: one of the things that i would love to collect is if you have a ranking for the seven books oh yes please tweet it to us
0: yes uh, we should make a tweet of that and have yeah reply refer- to our tweet yeah we yeah. will do that
2: yeah please reply to that tweet that'd be really and, interesting and let us know what your see. ranking is
0: so thank you everyone for listening i I'm Adela. You can find me on Twitter at Airedale, A R E D H E L underscore underscore. You can find me on YouTube at Airedale Grace.
2: I'm Zoe. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z O E T O P A Z, and buy my book Ostentatious The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans wherever books are sold.
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CEL10E. You can also find the show at Potternaught on Twitter and Tumblr.
0: And our theme music is by Morgan Jackson. You can find more of his music at wedidthetimewarpagain.bandcamp.com.
2: And um, reply to his fun tweet. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Give him a response that we couldn't really come up
1: with. <laughs> what walls would you put a giant creature in Which creature in
0: which walls.
1: That's right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>